KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, and in just about 10 minutes... The Island Wave is going to take over the show. Host Kamiley Tripp is back, and she's invited some great people and organizations to join her this hour. We're going to pass that mic, so stick around. First, some rallies and resources. You can find this curated list on our website, krcl.org, under the Community Affairs tab. At the top, a running list of the festivals coming up. And of course, this week, there is a ton of Juneteenth stuff from Ogden to Provo. And then June 23rd to 26th, the Utah Arts Festival at Library Square. Also that weekend, Salt Lake City Busker Fest and more open streets. July 9th, the Utah Asian Festival at the Utah Fair Park. The Urban Arts Festival, September 2nd through 4th. And the 14th Annual Red Rocks Music Festival, November 4th through 5th. Tomorrow is Flag Day, 11 a.m. on the east side of the Salt Lake City and County Building, 451 South State Street. You can join with Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, community and state leaders, as they raise the Juneteenth flag ahead of the upcoming holiday. And then at noon tomorrow at Westminster College, they will host their first ever National Freedom Day. Earlier today, I Zoomed with Dr. Tamara Stevenson to find out more. Here's that conversation. Radioactive co-host Emeritus, how are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to be with you again. So, uh, a busy summer, and it starts, I think, with Juneteenth. It's the first time it's been a recognized state holiday. It's the first time Westminster, I understand, has had an observance. And I know you got something good planned. So, yes, the uh, overtime, you know, we have great students who love to practice their activism, and we love to, to see them do that. And I think with the uh, federal recognition of Juneteenth last year in 2021, followed by the, I would say the swift passage of, of Juneteenth in Utah, it just was the perfect opportunity to, to amplify uh, Westminster's institutional observance. So this is happening for the first time this year with uh, what I believe I'm calling the trifecta of a Utah uh, panel in the persons of Representative Sandra Hollins. Uh, of course, she's the first black woman uh, elected to the Utah State Legislature and has been such a driver for getting Juneteenth recognized at the uh, legislative level. And then Utah community, longtime community activist, uh, Betty Sawyer. She's also the head of the Ogden chapter of the NAACP. Um, more than 30 years of organizing Juneteenth celebrations in the state. And then who will also be joining us is Michelle Loveday. She is a longtime Utah educator. She's the creator of a virtual academy focusing on uh, Black history for Black students in, in Utah. So between those three, we're just going to have a panoramic, comprehensive conversation about Juneteenth in Utah. Well, and you've agreed to record it so we can share it later in the week here on Radioactive. So I'm really excited for that trifecta, as you said, for a Juneteenth panel. But I wanted to ask you a little bit. First of all, you're Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Chief Diversity Officer, Associate Professor of Communication at Westminster College. And as you alluded to just a moment ago, the recognition of Juneteenth as a state holiday came 
pretty quickly on the heels of the federal recognition, which is in complete contrast to Martin Luther King Day and that recognition in the state of Utah. So it seems like maybe we've learned something in the ensuing years, not everything. And I'm kind of curious if you can help me set a table here, Dr. Stevenson, about Juneteenth for the community and what it can mean or does mean right now and what it could mean. So I think when it comes to to certain holidays or, or all holidays, right, there's some significance in remembering and, and celebrating and honoring. And I think for a holiday like Juneteenth, first of all, it's the first federal holiday designated since Martin Luther King Day in 1983. So clearly the federal government does, does takes a while to really commit <laughs> to establishing a holiday. And then for this particular holiday, I think it, it's a sign, it's a signal of, of our country coming into greater awareness about our history. Um, Juneteenth is not just a black holiday, it is an American holiday that it included and involved Americans involved in these rather, uh, 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 how should I say, tragic, uh, uh, intense times in history, right, that continue to shape how we function today. So this is an opportunity to become more aware of our country as a whole, kind of where we have missed uh, uh, doing right, but now we can continue to move forward to, to honor humanity in all of our, in all of these ways. So it's not just, you have to be black to celebrate the holiday at all. It is an, a, an official American holiday. It always has been, but now we can celebrate it uh, with some togetherness and, and an appreciation for where we come. Yeah, we had Natasha Cadet on the show last week from Solidarity for Justice and the uh, Juneteenth party that they're throwing on Juneteenth down on 6th West by the trap on the same day as Father's Day. That's a nice coincidence, isn't it? A little synchronicity. That right. uh, Juneteenth this year falls on Father's Day or vice, vice versa. But um, she was talking about how, you know, National Freedom Day has a great ring to it. But the story is that it was two years earlier, I believe, that um, black people had been freed, the Emancipation Proclamation, and didn't get to Texas until then. So how, how do I celebrate that? And how do I resist the uh, mattress and car sales aspect of American holidays? That is a much deeper conversation. Let's unpack it. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, so I, I have to answer that question by going back to the declarations that uh, Coretta, Coretta Scott King made in the early 1980s when her husband's uh, uh, holiday was being established. And she's, she called it that it's a day on, not a day off. Sure, there are the, the official kind of corporate uh, uh, paid holidays kind of thing, but it wasn't that you just kind of go home and sit around, right? That you actually engage in service, which is what uh, Dr. Martin Luther King did. And yet it didn't take really long to uh, uh, do exactly what you talked about for, for corporations, for this capitalistic country we live in to, to want to monetize the day. What I would, what I would uh, uh, contrast that with is that there are some holidays that that would never happen. So there's this, there's some sort of sacredness around certain holidays and other holidays don't get that same degree of respect and value. So I think part of that is really committing to what you want this holiday to, to be for you. If it's not engaging in those, those uh, deals and sales, right. For the, 
to honor the spirit of the holiday. That that's one thing, and I think it is again doing something that uh, allows you to spread education and awareness, not only in your own circles of an influence, but being able to model that for others. There will be other days for sales. Try to put some sacredness around the these recognitions. I mean, the word holiday really means holy day. That there is a way. There is a the 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 call for us to reflect on the time so that we can be better to humanity. And I think of Juneteenth as a, a way to reflect on, you know what, that more perfect union. This is how we get there from uh, the big actions to the small actions. And taking a minute, if you're not familiar with the history of Juneteenth, to read up on it. It's going to be all over Google, folks. It's going to be all over the Twitterverse. You'll be able to educate yourself. But then look around for the different observances and street parties going on and go out and meet your community and uh, see what it's all about. I love the idea of you of you referencing a more perfect union, a more perfect right. Um, I, I think we're getting away from this idea of, of perfection, which is different than more perfect right. That word, it's uh, I always, you know, for me personally, would try to replace that word perfect with continuously improving. <laughs> Ever evolving. Right? Continuously evolving. Not right? done yet. <laughs> exactly. That sort of takes a little bit of the edge, a little bit of the, the pressure off. And, and again, I think this this latest recognition of Juneteenth is is a step forward in that direction. Well, Dr. Stevenson, thanks for giving us some time. I look forward to being able to share this panel discussion, which I, I assume you're moderating, right? I will be moderating, although I did try to get out of it, but uh, <laughs> to just share the wealth, right? But I, I'm, I think I'm too excited to, to pass this up. So with this panel of, of amazing women, I, I yeah, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to, to share. Dr. Tamara Stevenson from Westminster College. Check tonight's show notes so you can figure out how to join Dr. Stevenson for National Freedom Day at Westminster College, as well as all of the items I spoke about and what's coming next with Kamali Tripp. It is an Island Wave takeover starting right now. Aloha Salt Lake. This is Kamile Tripp-Harris, your host today. Uh, we are taking over KRCL Radioactive with our show, The Island Wave Podcast. I'm going to share some information about some events coming up and a couple of organizations that I belong to. We are going to reconnect with Jakey Ciolo and find out about his trip to D.C. But first, this is some throwback by Spawn Breezy, Lo Uo Moni. This is The Island Wave. Oh, oh, oh,
Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Loves Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. Rock Camp SLC's first summer showcase is just around the corner on Saturday, June 18th, 2 p.m. at the Commonwealth Room. Twelve bands perform original songs created in just five days. More details at rockcampslc.org. Aloha Salt Lake. This is Kamile Trip-Harris, your host. We are going to reconnect with Jakey Ciolo and find out about his trip to D.C. Aloha, Jake. How are you? Good. You went to the Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month celebration at the U.S. Department of Interior in D.C. Yeah. That's so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> what was Thank that you. like? It was amazing. <laughs> um, I... Ever since like 2020, that's when I decided I wanted to be in like the politics realm. That's when I decided I wanted to run for office. So like being in DC is like definitely full circle. Um, mm-hmm. I was there in like 2018 for the Women's March with my mom and sister. And I remember being like, I'm going to be back here for work. Uh, and... <laughs> and so I was. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> but yeah, it was amazing. There was a lot of beautiful AAPIs and like amazing people doing amazing things. A lot of them doing things with nothing. A lot of them doing Mm -hmm. things with like a lot of money. Um, So it was great. There was just all different levels of like, there was grassroots, there was like corporate, Mm -hmm. there was um, like the staff of legislators, stuff like that. But it was amazing. <laughs> Did you get to hear Kamala? Yes, speak? yeah, yeah. So we were we weren't in the room where she spoke, but we got to watch. Um, Susie and Timmy, they were in like the formal banquet. Um, <laughs> but we were in the Apex Lounge, which was so fun. They had like video games and a buffet and like a bar. Ooh, I'd rather be there. Oh, it was, (laughs) there was people leaving the banquet to come into the lounge. (laughs) But yeah, it was great. We networked a lot. I probably got like 20 business cards on just like how we could collaborate. Super fun. And Kamala, I thought her speech was very good. That's awesome. I love the pictures you posted. You were so well-dressed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, our friend Connor, he actually won the HBO show called Full Bloom. Oh. Um, it's like Project Runway, but for flowers, but for floral. So he's the one that made our hakus, is that what you call Ooh, them? Yes. So we yeah. had like a HBO star. <laughs> he made that them for is... us. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, just... we really wanted to show up like in our cultural attire. Mm-hmm. You know, out of like the 2000 attendees, there's probably 15 of us that were NHPI. So we really wanted to show up, but it also like made us a little angry, not angry, but Mm -hmm. we want to see more of our people in those spaces. Yeah. Motivation angry, right? Like to take action. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like there wasn't any NHPI speakers. Thank you. So what was the overall message um, from the speakers, what is it that they want to focus on for our um, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Island people nationally? Um, a lot of it, I thought, was like building 
generational wealth. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of entrepreneurship, like being pushed. Um, ACE was there, National ACE. So they're the ones that sponsored oh, yeah. us to go out there. And so there was a lot of all the events that we attended. A lot of it was like starting businesses, getting businesses into AAPI's hands. Um, and then they also talked about how 15% of the Biden administration is NHPI or AANHPI, wow. which is really exciting. That's a, that's um, a big percentage. Yeah, I think it, they said it was more than any president uh any like presidential administration has had um and i think kamala has done a good job on that as she is southeast asian and black mm -hmm. so it was really cool there was a lot of southeast e east asian representation which mm -hmm. you don't see a lot like similar to us right um but yeah I, I think it was like leading with courage like just getting out making things happen that's kind of the overall message that I was getting that's awesome oh so, thank yeah. you so much Jakey <laughs> I'm so proud of you and so grateful oh, you. for your place in this work and your presence there showing them that there are Pacific Island people making it and we need to be heard Right. And yeah, there was a lot of leaders, like Asian American leaders who felt the same way. There's a lot of them that want to see NHPIs really leading it. Mm -hmm. Susan, I think her name is Susan. <laughs> she <laughs> is the board for APEX, which is the Asian American Pacific Institute for Congressional Studies. So she sits on the board for that whole conference. Um, but we were able to meet with her, go to dinner, um, get drinks with her. And she said the same thing. She was like, you know, NHPIs are warriors. And so she was like, we need to be having you guys leading this fight, leading the movement, which I thought was very exciting. And so she invited me back in August. So I'll be there for three days for um, the leadership summit, which is like a two day intensive, like how to run a campaign, how to social media for your campaign, fundraise, platforms. Um, and then from there is when I would apply for a fellowship. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. You got, you got your, your uh, journey in sight. I love that. Yeah, and I think just meeting all those people out there and just I wear my heart on my sleeve. And so I always tell people my vision for things like this is what I want. This is like how I envision it. And just doing that brought a lot of connection. So super great. <laughs> That's awesome, Jakey. Congratulations. Thank and I'll you. look I'll look forward to our next conversation and your new developments. <laughs> right? We'll yeah. see where that'll be. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to the Island Wave Takeover of KRCL Radioactive. As a part of my show, I wanted to share with you some of the organizations that I'm a part of. And I'm on the board for Rock Camp SLC. And I want to welcome my co-board member, Milan Atkinson. Aloha, Milan. Aloha, Kamali. Thank you Thanks. so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Rock Camp starts today, June 13th, and then we'll run until Friday, and then the showcase is on Saturday. Correct. Oh, we're so excited. Now, can you give a rundown of what happens at Rock Camp for our listeners? Well, Rock Camp is a uh, really an empowerment camp for girls, trans, and gender expansive youth. And in one week's time, they join a band, they write a song, they take band photos, 
photos and they perform that song at the end of the week for hundreds of screaming fans. Yes, yes, I've seen that magic happen so many times and it's just such a great formula and what you talk about empowerment, so true because Rock Camp also has an adult version. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that next year? Possibly. Um, it just depends, you know, COVID what the numbers are because we usually do it in February and so it's all indoors so I mean based off of you know the situation I hear you yeah the last time I think was 2020 was our last adult camp I think so yeah I I was so grateful to be able to participate in that and experience what the kids do at rock camp and it's a lot of work but Throughout it, I just want to shout out to all of our volunteers and the amazing work that they do to support all the individuals that arrive. You really feel like an individual. And I constantly brag up Rock Camp because you, you're the bylaws. And this is what has, has impressed me. And the reason why I jumped on the opportunity to be a board member is that the bylaws are consistent with the what, what the mantras are, like build each other up, not tear each other down, visibility, Absolutely. inclusion. So how did you get started? You're part of the original group that started Rock Camp. How did you uh, learn about it? Uh, Well, a couple of the original uh, founders of Salt Lake Rock Camp uh, went to, uh, one of them went to Boston and one of them went to Los Angeles Rock Camps. They're all over the world, believe it or not. We're part of the Global Rock Camp Alliance and they wanted to bring it here. Hillary McDaniel is uh, one of those. And yes, they, uh, they did all the work and they invited us to be a part of it. And we've been we've been helping out ever since that is wonderful and so this will be just thinking about my kids ages this will be what this eighth year I believe so yeah the eighth yeah. year yep and and then part an element of it that I love is the teen interns mm-hmm. so after you're a seasoned rock camper and you reach a certain age you can come as an intern which is more of a leadership role can you tell us about that absolutely you have to be uh, 14 and you also can be a teen intern if you have more musical experience but you don't have to you can also just be a camper and that you've just grown up and you want to help out the other kids they're so important to the younger kids to look up to mm-hmm. and um by way of their growing up and becoming older I have witnessed this transition of leadership to their adulthood so what has the experience meant to you Oh, it's life-changing. Amen. I mean, the magic of what they accomplish is really incredible. And they take what they learn with them with the rest of their lives. And all of us do, really. We take it, uh, all the values, and we actually apply it to everything that we do. And so we want to share that with all the kids. And anybody who is marginalized is welcome at Rock Camp. Any gender who's marginalized is welcome. And um, also volunteers of all genders are welcome, but we do reserve the teaching and leadership roles for the marginalized genders like us. I love that. It's really a great place, a safe space for that creativity and healing because parts of some elements of rock camp that I love are workshops there's writing workshops Mm -hmm. there's open mics there's tiny lunch concerts where Mm -hmm. local bands come in and give us a taste of what it's like to be a rock star (laughs) and then they give us advice and we're able to ask questions but one element I always 
share with people when I'm sharing about Rock Camp is that we're teaching these kids how to be good concert guests. Exactly. Yep. That's important too. Being a good audience member is so important. And that is a big part of what we do, especially at the Tiny Lunch concerts. Yes, I love like that when this when the band comes out, everybody gets up and goes to the front of the crowd yes. and you do not have a conversation. No, <laughs> right conversations the, are in the back of the room. That's right, away from the front of the stage. And I cannot believe I've sat in so many different music um, venues in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. hearing people converse right in front of the, the musicians. It's like very rude. It is. And it's everywhere. It's not just Salt Lake City. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, chalk it up to having a little bit too much to drink and forgetting your place. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, rain in your friends, honeys. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it this it takes a lot to be brave. And that's what another element I love about Rock Camp is that develops your courage to shine. It does. It definitely helps you do that. Maybe one day I can be a camper too. Yes. Right now I do all of the production side of camp. Yeah, let's talk about that. So your official role, um, you're so you're not only a board member, but you also do some uh, a, a role during rock camp. What is that? I'm the production director. So I am in charge of all the audio and technical things and also some lighting and those fun things like that. Yeah, and we also see you behind the camera. Oh, yes, the <laughs> camera as well. That's part of it. Yeah, and, and I want to just brag up your work with Talia Keys, your partner, oh, and thank you. in developing the music videos. Oh, mm-hmm. I have to say my favorite was Born in the Light from oh. this new released album, Lessons. Mm-hmm. I was like a teenager with that thing. I'd listen to it over and over. My family was like, are you going to listen to this again? I'm like, <laughs> yep. and the video is just so gorgeous in our beautiful landscape of the desert in utah yes well moab's our home away from home so and talia wrote that song in moab so we figured it was the perfect scene and i mean there's no shortage of beautiful things to look at in moab i know i've seen your photos at the um salt flats and and in moab and Mm -hmm. yeah that was just a beautiful landscape and beautiful video the the fire at night and oh you guys just have to watch it and i hope it's okay with you and talia but i'm gonna play that on on this uh episode today of radioactive oh of course thank you yeah and hopefully she won't mind she's also a dj here (laughs) (laughs) she won't mind yeah great great what's next for you um milana you do so much in our community for our youth for our families i'm just so grateful for you like well uh what's next on the agenda is a documentary for rock camp oh yes mm-hmm. oh, yes uh, i was able to get a grant from project rainbow to help me pay for a filming crew to help film it with me so very I excited love that it's definitely a great formula it's a wonderful place for parents like me who have rainbow children mm-hmm. so that they have a place to be. It's so accepting. I'm I'm just so proud. I couldn't say enough about it. And I'm so grateful to be on the board with you. Oh, let's talk about where you're from. I was born in New Zealand, but I did grow up in Bountiful. So oh, I do yeah. consider myself a, a Utah. Utah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yes. And your family is here as well. They are. Yes. Half, well, half of my family is here, but yes. That's wonderful. I'm so glad to have that connection with you that we're both Islanders. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, this yeah. is the land of our ancestors. 
That's so right. I'm glad that we can, you know, do our thing here, Amen. return to the land of our ancestors. So true. So how can the community get involved and support your work at Rock Camp? Well, we have our showcase on June 18th, Saturday at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. And the doors are open at 1 p.m. and the showcase starts at 2 p.m. And it should be about an hour or so. And it's a great place uh, for fundraising and supporting the kids. Thank you, Milan. And thank you for stopping by today and chatting with me. The kids who want to join Rock Camp, like how can they get involved? And um, is it too late to apply for the next session? No, we still have availability for our second session. It's uh, going to be at East Hollywood High School this year. And uh, you can go to rockcampslc.org and just apply. Wonderful. And um, can we just talk about the fees? What if we can't pay? It's based on a sliding scale. We don't ever want to deny a child or a, any camper uh, access to camp based off of, you know, what available funds that they might may or may not have. We Thank want you. everyone to come to camp. Who yes. wants to come? Great. Thank you so much, Milan. I really appreciate you and look well, forward you, to Kamali. seeing you. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you at Rock Camp. I look forward to that as well. Mahalo. Mahalo. For more information about Rock Camp, go to rockcampslc.org. Here's my current favorite from the Italia Keys featured on the Lessons album Born in the Light. You are listening to the Island Wave Takeover of KRCL Radioactive.
KRCL's annual record and CD sale will be making its triumphant return in 2022. We're planning something special, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, we'll be taking donations of your gently used, tremendously loved, but slightly neglected records and CDs. If you can let go, we can make sure those treasures get their way to the next music lover in line. Donations are tax deductible and will help power your community radio station, 90.9 FM, KRCL. If you'd like to donate, reach out to me, Eric P. Nelson, at recordsale at krcl.org for details. See you soon. You are listening to the Island Wave Takeover of KRCL Radioactive. Now I'd like to introduce you to Denise Coley of Denise's Polynesian Creations, LLC. Aloha, it's nice to meet you. You have a fashion show coming up, and this is with the Utah Pacific Island Heritage Month? Yes. They asked me if I could do the grand opening for the festival, if I could do a fashion show. Friday, yeah. July 29th from 6 to 9. Uh-huh. So what kind of fashions are we going to see? What was your inspiration? My inspiration. My grandma, as a young girl, I always performed Polynesian dances, and she would always make my designs, like design my costumes and that. Yeah. And for every performance, she didn't want me to wear anything twice. So I would watch her and... And then I would like pick up and have my own ideas. And like when I go to like weddings and that, and I see other girls performing or guys, I would have my own vision of how I would design something. As I was growing up, I I started designing stuff and my grandma would watch me and you know, she would correct me on stuff. Or, mm-hmm. And when I would give her ideas of what I do, and when I would show her what I do, you know, she was just, I think she was just amazed at how I come up with these ideas. I don't sketch them out or draw them out. Once I have it in my head, I just start doing it. And if I know that something will be wrong, I know how to correct it. And when I would So I started doing those kind of designs. And as time went by, I mostly got into doing stuff with feathers, all different colors and that. And I guess that's why my work is so unique because I'm the only person that creates and designs those kind of costumes for girls, boys, men, Um, you know, weddings. It's not just like one category, like I'm designing for like someone that's in the wedding, graduation, birthdays. I'm just looking at the dress at the, on the flyer. It looks like tapa cloth. What kind of material? Oh, it is. It is. Um, That is the tapa cloth, how it's made, you know, from the tree bark bark of the trees um, before it is actually designed with the Tongan traditional ink Uh on it that turns it into angatu. I have this dream that one day a native Hawaiian or Pacific Island actor will be on the red carpet in tapa cloth. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would definitely be amazing. I see a lot of them, but you know, it's like what they've done is they've just like cut out the natu, you know, because it's mm-hmm. already, it already has the printed designs on it. 
but when I took my picture, I just wanted something simple, natural. So that's why I, I didn't, I just wanted the plain tupper cloth. It's and powerful. Then I, and then I designed it into my own little cuckoo design. <laughs> and then I used it. And your um, power posing tiny. with your hands on your hips. And is that a lake here in, that you're standing in front of? Yeah, it's the Saltaire in Salt Lake awesome. City. Awesome. It looks like the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I I love nature. I love I love the fresh air. I mm-hmm. I just love cuz you know, in the Pacific Islands, you know, it's like back in the day everyone was just outside with nature. Yes. Every, everyone went fishing, everyone went to the farm to do the food and that. Mm-hmm. So, I just wanted my picture to be my dress, the top of cloth with no ink. It just came from straight from the bark after the tutu was made by the ladies. And then I made my outfit, the little feathers, uh, the tiny little ones that you would see Tongans, Samoans um, use that on the fine mats. And those are very, those are very hard to get those. Yeah, tiny very, very intricate too. The puleotos, the shells around my neck. Us islanders, we always wear those, like um, when we're performing or something. I just wanted something within the culture. I just wanted my look to be just simple, but it shows out the, you know, what I'm wearing and what I'm standing on is dangatu. So I'm wearing the bark tree that's being made by the woman. And then what I'm standing on is the outcome of what the natu looks like after the art has been, you know, after the designed the natu, and that's what I'm standing on. I love that. Um, the fashion show is called Goddess Within. Uh-huh. Wonderful. How I felt since I was a little girl when I would wear my, when my grandma would design all my costumes and that. When I design something for someone, I that's how I want them to feel. I want them to feel like they're the most beautiful person, you know, standing there um, before their performance. And when they perform, not only is their dance so beautiful and elegant, what they're wearing brings out I've seen girls that are not happy with their costumes and that Mm -hmm. you know they would feel like the most beautiful person like a goddess that Mm -hmm. they're wearing something beautiful and with their performance like it kills the whole thing you know yeah (laughs) like a sense of pride and power yeah I love that you know I have so many customers that write me back and say, oh my gosh, my daughter looks so beautiful. And she said she feels so special. And, you know, I tell them, I I just hope, you know, I just want people to feel that way. Because when you're performing, it gives you, a lot of people are nervous when they perform. I was never one to perform like I was born like that. No, you get nervous sometimes when you're performing. But when you wear something so beautiful and elegant to dance in, it's like, it gives you more power and strength. Like, I'm not nervous. I'm wearing something beautiful. So I'm going to go stand on stage and represent my dance. And I hope people love what I'm wearing. Yeah. And so far, I, I, I just love it when people write me and, you know, say that their daughters look so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> And they loved what they were wearing and 
now they're saying they they want this color they they like that design when they see your page <laughs> oh that's awesome so they come back for more dresses and yeah. more designs yeah. and do you design them on your own or does does your customer have um some input to give everything that is on my page um i've created and designed on my own and i would love to design a gown and something for one of the guys to wear at least they know it's not just costumes I make. I, I love designing gowns with my own creations to it. They'll have a, a good idea that maybe if someone would like me to do a fashion show in the future, you know, those are other stuff that, you know, I also do. Great. Well, congratulations. I'm so excited for the fashion show and the beautiful designs that you've made. We'll provide links to your Facebook page and your Instagram and the flyer for your fashion show the goddess within i just want to just want people to feel like you know they're a goddess they're they're so beautiful it doesn't matter what you look like what your size is but be comfortable with yourself and wearing something that you love wearing hopefully one of my designs that someone would wear will make them feel that way yes i can see how it would um check out denise's beautiful designs on her facebook page and definitely come join the fashion show and meet denise congratulations thank Thank you so much for chatting with me today oh you're very welcome and you never know hopefully you might be able to make it to the fashion show <laughs> yes yes and if i'm ever if i'm ever a, ho- a hollywood actress on the runway i am going to buy your design for the runway <laughs> oh just call me and we'll figure out what what you would love to wear <laughs> yes the tapa cloth i think that yes. i i don't know i just have this dream that tapa cloth it just makes a big splash in hollywood just to yeah. pre- represent our pacific island people and and our our beautiful designs and you, you know so everything much. was done by hand and yes you know. <laughs> with love and respect for all of the living things the organic designs uh-huh. yeah Thank you so much for holding this space for us and showing our youth that they have a place in in fashion design. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for wanting to talk to me, a little little nobody. (laughs) Oh, no, yes. Oh, you are somebody, Denise, and you're showing all of us that we can, we can, do these things right like our our skills our traditions and our passions uh they're they're entrepreneurial you know opportunities Uh you are listening to the island wave takeover of krcl now i'd like to introduce my guests with the utah investigative journalism project eric s peterson and kathy mckittrick hey kathy can we talk about the circuit breaker tax relief i heard it's a untapped benefit Uh, It is, and evidently it's been around for decades. And we all know that housing has certainly evolved over the decades, and now we have quite the dilemma that that we face. And so Circuit Breaker is for people 66 and up under certain income levels, which are pretty, pretty low. Yeah. And how did you find out about it? Eric asked me if I wanted to delve into the Circuit Breaker program. You know, it sounds like 
uh, watching paint dry, you know, about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay. And the uh, uh, low-income advocates have had their eye on it, uh, especially in the last few years, because uh, you know, people at the bottom of the scale are really hurting. And uh, they're the ones who um, possibly would really benefit from a, a lump sum credit uh, on an annual basis. Yes, it could help prevent that homelessness. Right. Yes, yeah, it would help feed the family, um, you know, do a car repair, medical expense, you know, so many things that take families right under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one financial problem away, right? Right. I've had that where like, I'll walk out to my car and there's a screw in my tire and then have to take care of the tire, miss a bill, you know, it just, it compounds. It does. It does. And it's always the unexpected thing, but, um, you know, when you don't have enough budget to stretch, even for bare necessities, then yeah, you're going to have car repairs that pile up. You're going to have medical expenses that are through the roof, you know, just, you know, there's, there's no time or money to um, address the unexpected. Yeah. And so in your investigation, what were the key points that you found that, that everybody should know about the circuit breaker tax relief? Um, the key points are that basically there's no dedicated personnel or budget to get the word out about circuit breaker. Um, it's um, uh, the application process is unwieldy, you know, it, uh, um, so people need assistance with it. Um, and that's very hard to come by. And uh, especially if you're low income, there's uh, uh, the way that you get um, the credit is uh, through filing your taxes. Um, so uh, a lot of people at the very low rung of the ladder don't even file taxes. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you wouldn't know that this is even available. I see that the website is tax.utah.gov forward slash relief forward slash circuit breaker, but I can see how it's difficult to navigate. So we have community health workers in our community that I'm hoping to share this information with and empower them to help their aging and elderly clients. Uh, One of our, you know, underserved and um, they were uh, highly affected during COVID as well. Right. That's great that that's happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's Thank really, you. really very few resources out there. Yeah. So. Can we talk about, Eric, can we talk about when you started Utah Investigative Journalism Project? What inspired you to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I worked for, well, I don't know, like eight years or so for the Salt Lake City Weekly. And, um, you know, when I left there, um, my, you know, kind of desire was to like create something that would just kind of focus on investigative work. When I worked at the weekly, there, there was a great opportunity to do in-depth and investigative stories, but, you know, it became a difficult situation, like in a lot of different, you know, newspapers and media organizations that were just having to do lots and lots of different things. And I realized that like, you know, I wanted to keep my focus on these kind of investigative stories, you know, 
Um, I'm not really a breaking news kind of guy. Like, you know, I want to like look into something, you know, maybe other people aren't looking into, you know, and, you know, try and see, you know, what's going on behind the curtain and figure out th- these kinds of big stories and present them to the public. And, and so kind of leaving that, you know, I thought, well, you know, I want to create something that focuses on that, but like, I also, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a big advocate for the the media in general, especially local media. And so I didn't have any desire to try and like be, you know, competition for anyone. Like I wanted it to be a collaborative model. And so that's really what we've set up, you know, it, it works out well, we, you know, we take time and, you know, we, we kind of bring our, you know, expertise to bear on, you know, finding records and, you know, finding these databases and finding these right sources to tell these really important stories. And then we bring those stories to our media partners and, you know, we publish together They help get the word out, um, you know, because we're a small organization. We don't really have a budget to be like marketing these things and promoting them ourselves. And so we help each other out in that way. And, you know, we help make sure that these skills and these stories um are 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 still happening in our community and the other the other component of what we do is really educational that we do free trainings for you know for for newsrooms student journalists um you know kind of helping them keep their skills sharp you know in in you know investigative techniques and databases investigative interviewing filing grandmas or records requests um and so just trying to help out the keep the media ecosystem healthy and well, you know, as much as possible. It's, it's a, it's always a tough, it's always a tough time. It's probably the toughest it's ever been. And it's congratulations on the award. Yeah. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So with the, the investig with the Utah investigative journalism project for the SPJs, uh, the society of professional journalists award this year, you know, we, we, we've gotten an award for public service for the work we did reporting on evictions and, and Kathy was on that team as well. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of reporting lost stories last year. I think last year it was like 15 stories, you know, and we were really kind of looking, especially at, you know, one law firm in particular, uh, the Colomore law firm, yes. you know, and the, you know, the, one of the principals, you know, is a state senator. And so they've always been very politically active in like helping write these landlord laws to benefit landlords. And, and we really, you know, investigated, you know, how the only, not only the eviction process, but how that affected, you know, um, you know, renters and, you know, exactly how, how stacked the deck is against them in the legal process. And, and, you know, we were looking at it from every angle, you know, renters with disabilities, you know, BIPOC renters, um, you know, all sorts of folks. And it was a really rewarding project. And we put out a lot out there to help kind of people understand what's going on with the renting and kind of how to avoid falling into certain traps and things like that. And Kathy is also you know, getting uh, another special honor um, for kind of this long legal battle she was involved in to get records. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Kathy. The Davis County attorney released basically that they didn't find any uh, criminal wrongdoing in this investigation up here in Weber County of a sitting commissioner try to get the records from Ogden City because they're the one who did the uh, conducted the investigation. 
And on the third appeal, it finally went to the Ogden City uh, Records Committee and Eric came up to that meeting. It was a very interesting meeting. We were surrounded by attorneys. The review board, they came out with their uh, ruling the next day and they said, yeah, you, you can have the records and they'll have to redact, you know, some some names and that kind of thing, which is to be expected when you have so many witnesses. Uh, oh, a month or two later, the commissioner, he had moved on to another post by this time, but uh, he filed this very odd lawsuit with Weber County to block release of the records. It was kind of unprecedented and there was really no provision in grandma that spoke directly to that possibility because mainly people appeal a ruling when it's gone against the person who asked for the records. That's what grandma speaks to directly. Um, that particular um, case, uh, I had a couple of attorneys from uh, Par Brown and they handled that pro bono and the judge ruled against us. Um, and they, uh, we were just an intervener in the case. We kind of came in in the middle. We were neither the, um, the defendant or the plaintiff. So, so we intervened in that case. And so at that point, uh, my attorneys who were brilliant, especially when it comes to grandma and to media law, they said, we'd like to appeal this to the state Supreme Court. Are you on board with that? And I said, sure. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, and that was a long drawn out battle. Um, and of course, you know, it meant arguing uh, case law in detail that was apropos. And it, meant, it, it also meant really knowing uh, grandma and its legislative intent inside and out, uh, which my attorneys are really, really good at. So um, we uh, ended up getting the findings from that investigation. It's about a 50 page document and uh, reported on that but the contents we're still waiting to get. I mean, we're, we're wanting, uh, um, you know, uh, they had, I've heard there, there were just piles and piles of documents related to the investigation. So um, we're still waiting on that. Wow. I'm just astonished at how well they're able to suppress information to the public that way and, and that our journalists have to fight with their own lawyers to make sure these stories come out. Uh, right, and a lot of newspapers, uh, you know, smaller outlets especially, they just do not have the resources to do that kind of fight, put up that kind of fight. Wow. Well, thank you guys so much for your place and for holding that space for us, for bringing us information and news. So thank you for the news that you broke and congratulations on your awards. And Kathy, congratulations on your award. I'm so excited and grateful to be a part of the board. Thank you for bringing me on this last year, Eric. <laughs> it's, it's been great. I never really considered myself a journalist because I'm, I'm looking for individual stories in the community that we don't know about, you know, through my podcast. Um, looking for solutions for our community and somehow that relates to media and journalism and I'm grateful that you saw value in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, 
that's that's the work of a journalist so we're, we're ecstatic to have you helping out Links to events and resources on our show today will be posted on the KRCL Radioactive On Demand website. We'd like to thank KRCL and Laura Jones for inviting us and keeping us in the loop. You know, representation matters, so we're so grateful to be here. And we are leaving you with our favorite from Sudden Rush, Pure Aloha. This is the Island Way. Ahui ho. Now this year, Roots and Rhythm collaboration, you know, coming in a way out with Styly right? For we have all seen the vision, a lovely vision of Aloha, pure Aloha. Love.